Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to review, subscribe, and rate the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Alexa via TuneIn, and you can stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, If you want to support the show, there's a support tab on the website. You can give a dollar. That would be great. Or you can go to abouttoreview.threadless.com, get a t-shirt or mug. That would be fantastic. And then lastly, Renton City Comic Con is doing their first annual Geek Awards in September. Voting is open right now. You can vote for this very podcast in three different categories, questions 8, 9, and 10. The link will be in the description below. So that is that is the about to review intro. Uh, joining the show for the first time since last year, oddly <laughs> enough, right around this same time last year, welcoming back, Jed, hey. aka that guy named what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can only have me on once a year, apparently. Uh, apparently, mainly because if you were on any other time, it would just devolve into wrestling or some other and ridiculousness. There's a problem with that? Why? Because none of it makes sense. Oh, Johnny. Johnny, 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 Johnny. <laughs> Huh. Oh, we're going to have some talks, you and I. Yeah. The one time I'm here is like, there's no Tim. And it's like, we're re- I was ready to go. It's like, oh, Tim's going to be there. Exactly why he is not here. Co-op the show. <laughs> no, because then, yeah, nothing would nothing would get done. Uh, don't worry, listeners. I will drag John to a wrestling show one of these days. We, yeah, Tim and I are planning on going to one, I think it in October. Uh, uh, Damien was, was letting us know. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it will happen. It will uh, happen. Can't wait. Uh, but the reason that Jed is joining this episode, uh, and not just because it is the annual uh, <laughs> Jed on the podcast end of the, end of May episode with Jed. Uh, so for listeners who are wondering, it was episode fifty six that Jed was last on when we played the game Hammered Heroes, uh, which went on to successfully uh, exceed their Kickstarter goal because of the podcast. Of course, let's be honest. I mean, it's come just on now. purely because of that. Uh, yeah, they actually are in production now. They started shipping stuff out, stuff out. So I'm still waiting on the royalty check. Yeah, I gotta talk to the guys yeah, about that. That's weird. Um, but yeah, so on this episode, we're going to be talking about heist films. A because there's a movie called Ocean's Eight that uh, I see next what? week that I am real <laughs> nervous about. That sounds so excited. Yeah. Uh, but also because one of the things that Jed and I used to do a lot was play Dungeons and Dragons, of which there were many heists that my character in particular <laughs> would find his way into. So uh, when thinking about heist movies, Jed is the one that I, I wanted on the show. I'm doing a heist right now. Little do you know. Hmm. We'll find out at the end of the episode <laughs> I how I did it. If it was successful or <laughs> yeah, not. Exactly. Uh, and there will also be a review for Disobedience, which last week uh, on the About to Interview episode, there's the interview that i did with the director uh sebastian lelio so but i can actually review it now because now it has actually opened it gets sif gets weird <laughs> man like i interviewed the director for blind spotting mm. a great film awesome. that is playing as part of the seattle international film fest i cannot release that interview until july 27th oh man i interviewed him two weeks ago <laughs> so uh such the you know high flying wheeling and dealing I- life of of a film critic oh, in that Seattle. guy named yeah. John. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, so yeah, so there will be the Geek News interview, or interview, <laughs> the Geek News, and then a review of Disobedience, which I interviewed the guy, Which I'll the have director. a lot to contribute because I have not seen it. 
Uh, yeah, you, yeah. you can pipe up. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then we'll be giving our good, bad, and ugly heist movies. Yeah. So uh, it is going to be an interesting episode. Uh, we'll kind of see where, where it leads. But before we get into all of that, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. That guy named John. He does a podcast. Its name is John. Here's a podcast. Its name is John. Here's a podcast now. There you go. Wow. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed original it. right there. Uh, okay. So the first, uh, first part of the show is the geek news. So some of the, the hot topics of the, of the week. Uh, so the first thing. Jamie Foxx, as of recording, uh, was officially cast as Spawn in the new Spawn movie that Todd McFarlane, the creator of Spawn, is going to be writing and directing in his directorial debut. Oh, man. That has me worried. Uh, But they're doing it with Bloomhouse, who has been doing some really great low-budget or kind of mid-budget horror films. McFarlane has said that he wants the budget to be like 10 to 15 million, and he mentioned movies like jaws where you do not see the monster okay. until like three quarters of the way through but it's spawn do we not see spawn nope okay. uh the, the the plan as of now and who knows how this is going to change but most likely we will not have the giant cgi cape and everything that we had in the original one which i love that movie uh i have defended that movie well, was- on episodes before <laughs> uh oh. michael jai white well, is that, great this is insane the important question here is who's violator like, who's going to play Violator? Because John Leguizamo, for all the faults of the original movie... Yeah. John Leguizamo would, like, put in some work for that. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. They've not announced anything other than Jamie Foxx. Uh, and the McFarland is writing and directing and... Oof. But again, like, a lower-budget film where if you... Anybody who remembers the cartoon that HBO put out, that had a all lot more to do... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think there were 10 of us. <laughs> Uh, had a lot more to do with like shadows and it was very of the time of Batman and Batman, the animated series. So they're kind of pulling on that, but also being very violent because it was HBO. So I'm nervous about it at the same time, hundred percent on board. Uh, the person that I wanted for spawn that we actually talked about on this episode or not on this episode on this podcast a long time ago with the curly nerd was Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in Justice League. Okay. Like, get him. Hmm. Like, he is a younger actor. That way, you're not paying him a giant amount of money to not really be in the movie, which now they're going to do Jamie Foxx, but we're not going to see the monster. It is going to be weird. Yeah. But you get somebody like Ray Fisher, who cares if he is in shadows for three quarters of the movie? Like, people are still kind of getting used to him as an actor. Jamie Foxx, he is going to be top build, regardless of who is in this. And then people are going to be like, Okay, so where is he? And they're not going to do an origin story because so many people know the origin of Spawn. <laughs> Again, all like 10 of us. Oh, yeah. It's such a popular comic book character. No, th- this yeah. actually reminds me of Venom. 
Where it's yeah. like you've got this really well-known actor as this lead kind of hang their hat upon, you know, the, Jamie, the Jamie the franchise. Kinda. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's like this, like, but we're not going to see the Venom or the Spawn or, you know, we're not going to see them until halfway through. It's not really about them. It's about the person. And you're like, what? Well, yeah. Why? This doesn't make any sense. Why go for it? Yeah. It, it feels weird. And it just kind of, it feels a little bit tone deaf because mm-hmm. I get what he is talking about. Like, doing a straight up horror film. Sure. That absolutely works in the spawn universe. We got to see spawn. Yeah. So, and who knows again, a yeah, lot, yeah. a lot can change. Uh, this like this news just, you know, and Todd, landed. I know you're listening right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, John Leguizamo, he hasn't done much recently. Let's bring him back. Let's do this. This could be his return. He, he has stayed busy. That's true. That's but, true. and he might be better than this movie at this point. Um, but yeah, so that is interesting. I'm on board for it. But Jamie Foxx officially cast as Spawn. Next thing, uh, this is a kind of a follow-up to a story that I talked about a while ago. Lock and Key, a great comic book series from a few years ago. Very Cthulhu-esque and Lovecraftian. Yeah. Uh, it, they filmed a pilot two years ago okay. for, for Fox. And Fox was like, cool, no. <laughs> Wait, Fox canceling something? Like, right, before, it, and like, they did not even let it of. be seen. That is unheard of. Right. That never happens. Mm-mm. Not after a very successful TV show or anything, no. No. So, Fox passed on it, so they were like, all right. Re- they reshot the entire thing, new actors, everything for Hulu, uh, like, a few months ago. Hulu was like, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, the good news being, Netflix is currently in talks to pick it up, which that is the perfect avenue for lock and key it is very similar in tone to stranger things sure i think people watching lock and key i mean it's about these kids who live in this house and there are various keys and they're trying to unlock this main key one of the kids gets possessed just think of a haunted house type story yeah with lovecraftian weirdness netflix is perfect for it which i'm so surprised we don't see we see so much influence of lovecraftian Mm -hmm. stories but we don't see any like actual like Lovecraft esque stories, yeah. you know, that kind of dive in whole, you know, whole full bore. The uh, only ones that I can really think are like Hellboy, right? Those are the closest ones where it is interdimensional beings yeah. possibly breaching into this world. Like that type of stuff is great, but that type of grandiose thing. I mean, Pacific Rim had kind of the the portal aspect, sure. but not these. Well, even Stranger Things had elements of yeah. it, you know. But not these, yeah, monsters from the nether realm and all these things. So, yeah, Lock and Key, they're in negotiations with Netflix. I think that would be a perfect fit. They already have the pilot. And with something like Netflix, they, they could do three episodes sure. and just drop them all at once, give people a taste. Like, there's a lot less risk than, especially with Fox. <laughs> uh, but even Hulu, like, Hulu is still a little touch and go. Netflix, people are willing to give a show three episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, cool. Let me just see what this is about. Totally. So... I'm down for that. Uh, next bit of news. So the new Spider-Man movie, uh, which they have not really announced much about or what type of collaboration they're going to be doing with But wait, Marvel. John, spoilers! Uh, not, well, not even, well, I guess. That is the thing we that people the- were talking about with <laughs> Infinity War. They're like, I, I cannot believe that such and such are happened. Are going to have like big beeps? No. But it was like, if there are already movies in development for some of these characters, yes. It was brutal, but there's already something happening. I've been working on my cosplay, John. It's... <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, my Spider-Man cosplay. <laughs> that was nice. 
So the big news with the new Spider-Man film, Jake Gyllenhaal is is in talks to be in it and not just be in it, be a villain that we have never seen a live action version of. Debatable. Uh, okay. Yes. I, I yeah. am full board yep. the, the subscriber to uh, the Bruce Campbell theory. Yeah, there yep. you go. Okay. So Jake Gyllenhaal is supposedly in talks to play Mysterio in the new Spider-Man movie. In the original three with Sam Raimi directing <laughs> Bruce Campbell. They started talking about that, like, he should kind of be that Mysterio type character. He pops up everywhere in random places. Different character, quote, quote. Like, that that could, that could would have been great. It obviously is never going to happen. Uh, but yeah, so Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Good old fishbowl head. Yeah, it's going to be weird. I'm trying <sighs> to figure out how they can modernize uh, they, that. They, they put, they have Jake Gyllenhaal do uh, the Nightcrawler basic character. Okay, yeah, that's super you, creepy. Right, yeah. and you give him a special effects budget. Yeah. I mean, that's you have super creepy Jake Gyllenhaal obsessing over Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You have him doing some kind of crazy caper heist type thing where Spider-Man's mm-hmm. got to use kind of... I, I feel like so many of the Marvel movies devolve into, and I'm sure, yeah, I mean, I've heard you talk about this so much, of, hey, I'm this character. Hey, look, the bad guy is the exact same character, but yeah. evil. You know, Ant-Man, mm-hmm. prime example. But to have Mysterio, which is so So different. totally different. And the other thing that makes him different compared to other villains, and I guess I will say in the MCU, even though it is still tangentially related, he is a human. Oh, yeah. He has nothing special about him. So Quentin uh, Beck. Beck. Quentin Beck. I mean, old school villain. This is like Amazing Spider-Man number 13 back in the day. Wow. That's uh, nice. 1964, I want to I wanna oh, say. I'm going to so take your lunch money. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, he was just, he was a special effects guy who wanted to be a Hollywood actor. He was not a good actor. He was a decent special effects guy. Uh, he tries to blame Spider-Man for a robbery. Spider-Man gets him to admit that it was him and his career is over. No. So then he becomes a villain. God, if I had a nickel every time. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he is one of the villains, similar to like Norman Osborn, depending on the version, who does not have any powers. Right. I mean, Norman Osborn in certain iterations gets all weird. goblin and yeah. Right. But like the Sinister Six, you have Mysterio, who is just a dude, who is good with some sleight of hand and <laughs> some gas. And that is why he wears a big fishbowl. So Projection he- screens. He's yeah. basically every sc- old school Scooby Doo villain rolled up Absolutely. into one. Yeah, you know, all, all he does is like little heist. Like he has never. I want to take over the world. It was like I just want to rob a bank, man. I got bills to pay. Like it was just it was small time crime. When the Sinister Six did bigger things, but in general, yeah, he just creates illusions, creates some gases that make people hallucinate, and that is it. <laughs> I would almost love to see how they kind of treated uh, uh, Mysterio in the newer comic books where he's never like the full featured villain. He's never like right. the villain of the issue. It's always kind of like a side problem that Spider-Man's got to deal with. Yeah. Or there's something bigger going on. Like there's a Venom or there's... Well, Car- the Sinister you know, Six, right. you know, is wrecking like, shop. Yeah, major going on, Doc Ock or something like that. And then it's like, oh yeah, shit, I also got to like stop Mysterio from doing, you know, robbing this bank or, right. you know, this a smaller crime. And he's kind of treated as almost a joke. But I think yeah. like a in the MCU with Gyllenhaal, I think you can really use that and have it be this kind of like fumbling villain, but still is a foil. But still dangerous. Yeah. Still yeah. a foil to Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. And there are also talks that Michael Keaton might be back in almost like a Hannibal Lecter type sense where the young Peter Parker is kind of going to him being like, okay, yeah, you are locked up, 
but there's some stuff going on. Some stuff just happened. I'm not sure if you were aware <laughs> if some of your cellmates are not around. Well, they've already established that there's all this alien tech in New York. Yeah. And the so Chitauri could, stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could easily be Quentin gets his hands on some of those, starts messing around with it because, yeah. you know, does some stuff with it. And then Spidey goes to Vulture and is like, hey, you know, hey, you were you messing, used to work with right, this stuff. You sold this stuff. What's going on? And yeah. there's also rumors that uh, Strange is going to be in uh, appearance as well, potentially. Yeah. Which also might be a really great fit of like, hey, I got this guy that's like summoning demons or something. It's and all the, Doctor Strange is like, like, no, he's eh. not. <laughs> no, he's, no, he's not. <laughs> Just Trust calm, me. calm down. Yeah, take it down so, But yeah, I think Jake Joe and all, if he does that Nightcrawler route of just yeah. the creepy guy, you know, unlike Michael Keaton, who is physically intimidating, just the way that he can look at you, the way that he can sound. Yeah, the more of the sinister but not really knowing what he is doing it's like ooze under the rock you know it's right the little sliminess he yeah. plays that so well and i think they he really they embrace that yeah. yeah so that should be interesting uh and then the there's a youtube video that just launched that i will put a link to as with all of the geek news items so the cast of the amazing justice league cartoon which oh my gosh like it i would say it hit me right in the childhood I was already much older <laughs> and I'd already moved out and still watching Samurai Jack <laughs> and Justice League and all of these shows. So Rob Paulson, who has done the voice of a million things, Animaniacs in particular, has a show called Talkin' Tunes, which is a YouTube series and also a podcast where he just talks to other voice actors and gets them to do their characters, but reading different scripts. It is amazing. So they just did one that launched this week. The cast of the Justice League cartoon, so Kevin Conroy, Phil Lamar. Uh, you, happen, you you and Phil are like this, right? Like BFFs right now. Right? I, think I, would have, say, I would not say BFFs. I, you guys have, you have that necklace that's like half <laughs> right. a heart, and it's and there's. I think he has the other half, right? Is that what well, it's saying? actually a, a half of a green ring. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. Yeah. And he has the other half, and yeah. you know, in the darkest night. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, so he gets the cast of the Justice League cartoon and has them read the Fellowship of the Ring scene where they're first talking about what should they do with this ring of power and where should they take it and my axe oh my gosh it is incredible it is just right in the adulthood and not in the childhood (laughs) kevin conroy as batman is playing boromir uh wonder woman is playing elrond phil lamar as green lantern is uh legolas like it just oh no no uh no he is not legless no. uh flash is legless yes. uh phil lamar who is phil lamar oh gimli yes uh so just watching all of these characters like you can close your eyes and just listen to this and it blows your mind so yeah so there will be a link to that in the description below uh the last thing uh, another shout out to aaron campbell who is an incredible artist uh, of Infidel, the comic that I just happen to have on the table right here. Uh, he just recently launched a new podcast called Adventure Hook, which is a couple episodes in. It is him and his buddy Robert Randall, who are both comic book professionals, as well as dungeon masters, and have been playing in D&D forever. And so the show is just kind of a fun way to give people ideas for their own mm. either one-shots or campaigns, and they roll a die to kind of figure out where that hook is. And then the whole episode is I'm just kind of workshopping it really, really cool. just kind of like an inside baseball type of thing, just to listen to two very creative guys who know a ton of 
you know, kind of D&D lore, just spitball and workshop these ideas. And by the end of the episode, any pros- you know, prospective DM or person playing a game can be like, hey, how about we incorporate this and this? Really cool. So I will put a link to Adventure Hook uh, below as well. So yeah, so that wraps it up for, uh, for the geek news. Uh, the movie review that I mentioned earlier, Disobedience, uh, directed by Sebastian Lelio. The description on IMDb, because this actually is one of the ones, I make fun of a lot of IMDb descriptions because <laughs> they're just terrible. Either they're way too long or they're way too short. This one actually is pretty perfect. So it says, a woman returns to the community that shunned her for her attraction to a childhood friend. Once back, their passions reignite as they explore the boundaries of faith and sexuality. So this stars Rachel McAdams, Rachel Weiss, who is one of my favorites. I've had a crush on Rachel Weiss since <laughs> Mummy when it first came out, and she is just adorable oh, and amazing. Didn't we all? I mean, <sighs> it's either Rachel Weiss or Brendan Fraser, let's be honest, or both. Or both, yeah. Or both. I mean, this is an open podcast, you know. <laughs> um, and then Alessandro Nivolo as well. So Rachel Weiss's character is the daughter of this Jewish leader in a very, very close-knit Jewish community. Mm-hmm. He passes away, and she goes back for his funeral, or for, yeah, kind of his funeral and all of the processions around that, to everybody's surprise. In his obituary, it says, sadly, he died without any children. Uh, so they had a very estranged relationship because when she was younger, she had either a relationship or an experience where he, Generally go into it with Rachel McAdams' character. That, and especially this very orthodox, very tight-knit Jewish community, was a big no-no. Yeah, that's a no. So she bounced, and then <laughs> years and years go by where she never spoke to him. It was really awkward. Uh, she gets word that he has passed away, and even through all of that, like that is still her dad. So she still wants to pay respect, shows up, and the whole thing gets turned upside down. Uh, The community who remembers her does not want her there. Rachel McAdams uh, does want her there and is actually the person, this is not really a spoiler, but she is the one who actually made the call. And uh, Alessandro Nivolo's character is kind of the second in command to the Rav, to the person who died. He knew all of this, like the three of them grew up together and he did not make that call. He was like, nope, like the Rav did not want her in his life at all. Like again, in the obituary, like that is some cold stuff. Yeah. To be like, sadly died without children as your daughter is that right there. Yeah. So super awkward. But one of the things that I talked about with the director that was fascinating in this film is the intimacy in the cinematography that he used. Mm. The camera never feels like it is more than three feet away from these characters. And not only is it tight shots, but it feels, forces you to really be involved into what is going on right there. Mm. So in these conversations where Alessandro Nivolo's character, uh, Dovid, you know, he is trying to make those steps up to then be the leader of this community while this woman who he grew up with and had all this drama with is back in his life. He is now married to Rachel McAdams' character. And it just, all of, all three of them, like, they know what happened and now they are adults years after everything happened and how they kind of process that. It was incredibly just intimate. 
I can see kind of the tension just from you describing oh, yeah. it. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but the the way your shoulders are kind of hunching up with mm-hmm. this, it's just like you can feel like, oh, this is all just. Ugh. Yeah, it is. There are definitely some scenes that are just tough to watch because it is that interpersonal dynamic with these characters that have so much history, but have not spoken in decades. It feels like is just rough. Uh, there is one of the things that this is kind of getting some press for. There's a very lengthy sex scene between Rachel McAdams and Rachel Vice. It is six minutes long. Wow. That's a uh, long scene in general. In general. Uh, there's another movie that they referenced in like a New York Times article that was there was a seven minute sex scene. What is fascinating with the six minute sex scene between Rachel McAdams and Rachel Vice's characters uh, who are Ronit uh, and what is Rachel McAdams character? Uh, Esty. They just devour each other. Hmm. Like it was just, just this primal energy between the two of them and yet not graphic, which is fascinating. Cause again, like that director, Sebastian, he knew going into it cause it was based off of a book. You know, he knew what he wanted to do. And this scene, I mean, they're ravaging each other with just this primal lust without having to really show anything. And that was just so unique uh, and just a really interesting way to show that. Um, one thing that I really enjoyed about this film. So first, this whole genre <laughs> of these kind of laugh out loud comedy of the summer. <laughs> right. Like drama, romance, stories. Romance. Romance. Yeah, sure. We can workshop that. <laughs> um, they just generally are not the thing that I really want to see says the man with the Superman calendar behind his head right now. That has nothing to do with romance. <laughs> uh, see, it sticks. Yeah. It, it might work. Let me write that down. Uh, trademark about review podcast. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it just, it, it is not really the genre that excites me. Mm-hmm. This was solid. And the ending twice had the opportunity to do the thing that all of these type of movies do where everything gets kind of wrapped up neatly and twice it surprised me. Mm. That was awesome. Like that was just, it was really clever, really solid writing. And it just, it goes back to just the way that the stories are told with these three characters. I mean, it shows a little bit more of the community, um, but it really just focuses on those three and it was, it was powerful. Mm. So it is, it already opened on the East coast. It opened, in the Seattle market this week. Uh, and then it starts to open a little bit wider. This is not going to be in theaters for long, uh, just cause it is a very indie festival style film, but, uh, the official rating system for the podcast. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, is good, bad or ugly. So no ratings or no ratings, <laughs> no letter <laughs> grades, uh, no stars, nothing. Just good, bad, or ugly. Basically broken down. Which you came up completely by yourself. Absolutely. That's not taken from anything else. Nothing had ever... I mean, I Googled it. Nothing came up. Nothing had come up for good, bad, I Googled good, bad, and ugly. So weird. And it was just blank. Nothing. Like, literally nothing on Google. It's weird. Google was like... There's literally a picture of somebody going like... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So a good film is something that you would recommend to somebody. A bad film is something that was not terrible, but it would not be the first thing that you jumped to see. Uh, Again, an ugly avoid at all costs. Uh, Disobedience, the new film by Sebastian Lelio, starring Rachel McAdams, Rachel Weisz, and Alessandro Nivolo. Absolutely good to good. Solid film. And especially because it is in a genre that is not really my favorite, I kind of went into it with some trepidation. It blew me away. Uh, The ending in particular, the last like 10 minutes, Hmm. the decisions that it 
kind of the paths that it went down huge fan of those because yeah it, it surprised me so yeah those disobedience uh definitely check it out if it is playing somewhere near you it might not be for a while well we live in the age of the internet where i'm sure it's going to become available on the internet true and since it opened since it is opening on the west coast markets yeah it will probably be streaming in a couple months like this is not something where you are going to have to wait until september (laughs) like it it should not be very long but yeah very intimate very uh personal film so now to the meat of the issue uh heist movies i love a good heist movie oh yeah uh recently we saw one called solo uh, a Star Wars story, which I described Never as heard a of it. right as a sci-fi western heist movie. Oh yeah, like that was that was basically it. So with heist movies, what we will do is we are going to go back and forth, and we each chose one: a good heist movie, a bad heist movie, and an ugly heist movie. Before we go to those choices, though, what do you think makes a good heist film? Is it the antagonist, the protagonist? Is it the setting is it the item or MacGuffin that they have to get like what about the heist genre do you think uh what it kind of boils down to I, I think what a lot of the appeal of the heist drama is or the heist film mm-hmm. is there's there's always this there's a goal there's a very definite goal of mm-hmm. like we got to go in and do this or we got to go in and steal this and so there's very clearly stated what the goal is going to be Right. And even if, and nine times out of 10, you're going into the movie, you're going to, they're going to get whatever they're going for. Right. You know, it's the movie. <laughs> but the, the part, I think why people enjoy heist movies so much is how that's achieved mm-hmm. and kind of the tension they're in. Like, uh, was it Hitchcock had this great example of the two men talking with the bomb under the table. Right. Mm. Whereas if you don't know where the bomb is, if you just see two men talking, there's no bomb. All of a sudden blows up at the end of five minutes. There's no tension. Right. If you show the audience the bomb, they talk for five minutes, the audience is on the edge of their seat waiting for the bomb to blow up. Mm-hmm. I feel like heist movies are kind of in that same vein because we yeah. see the, what's going to go wrong. Yeah. We know something's going to go wrong. We know that there's <laughs> something going to be happen. We know there's going to be turns here. And so every point in the movie throughout the whole thing, I think the audience is in, invested because they know what the end goal is going to be. They're just mm-hmm. waiting to see what turns it takes to get there. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree because... Yeah, for the most part, again, like Ocean's 8. In the trailer, it was like, okay, this group of women is getting together to steal diamonds. Okay. Right. There we go. Like, I, I'm going <laughs> to guess. I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> right. I'm going to guess they steal the diamonds. I, I think that... I got a hunch. Unless... It I is believe a, in Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> right. Unless it is a ruse where they actually want the thing under the diamonds. What? They, no. The pillow just, <laughs> the diamonds right. are on? It's worth millions. I mean, and plus that... That plot device. Oh, yeah. These are diamonds. Like, Jess, friend of the show, one of my best friends, she talks about it all the time. Like, diamonds are almost useless. Like, they're not rare that everybody likes to think they are. There are, like, two companies in the world who have a lot There's of the like diamond rights. dot on your forehead, <laughs> right. John. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just... So, these diamonds, it is like, if you were to go out and buy a wedding ring for $5,000, the next day... Stuff goes wrong. Oh, no. You go back to sell it back the next day to a different shop. They're like, I'll give you 500 bucks. Like diamonds are one of the biggest rackets in the world. So the fact that this new movie with a group of intelligent women are like, we're going to steal diamonds is just dumb. (laughs) 
but I mean, again, I've not seen it yet. I see it but next week. But they are a girl's best friend. I, I guess, but that actually, there's a fascinating uh, documentary I watched, or there are a bunch, about the diamond industry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of that campaign, that in and of itself oh, has... Diamonds are forever. Di- oh, my gosh. Like, Diamonds are forever is part of the De Beers, like, marketing campaign that has been the same since, like, the 40s. Like, th- that is an alt of their printed material. So, no, it is it is a big racket. But I do agree that, yeah, w- watching the trailer for a heist movie, we're like, okay, that is what they're trying to get. Nine times out of ten, either they get it or they get the person who was there to get it. So, who knows? Sure. Uh, but yeah. So, what we will do is actually we will start with good. Okay. Start out strong. Okay. Kind of with... And these are not necessarily like our f- favorites. Sure. But just the ones that maybe we have gone back to the most. And I know that this is going to bother a lot of people. When Jed and I each kind of just, we're like, all right, let me just pull up some heist movies. There are so many heist movies. I know we're not going to talk about yeah, some. We're gonna... We might leave out your favorite, but that is okay. <laughs> it's just like, there are so many heist movies. There are some amazing ones, but the ones that I chose, I chose for various reasons. So as the, as the guest, the once annual uh, guest. <laughs> See you next year, folks. Right. Uh, how about you go ahead with your good? All right. Uh, well, I have... Two kind of honorable mentions, and then I'll get to my good. Okay. One, I think, is kind of uh, Missions Impossible. Mission Impossible. Missions Impossible. Missions Impossible. Missions Impossible. Right. Mission Impossible. I think that mm-hmm. was a really well done heist movie. Again, yeah. a lot of tension, a lot of like, what are they going for? And I think that was one of the movies that kind of jump started the late 90s, early 2000s infatuation with the heist movie. Yeah. Um, another, and and yeah. a scene that has been parodied. Oh, yeah. A million time times. Time again. Which, I mean, really think about it. Like, coming down from the ceiling. I, maybe it was done before, but like for those of us who were around that perfect age, like middle school style age when that movie came out, like none of us had ever seen that before. And so, yes, it has been parodied. Well, the tension in that scene is so uh, well done of like this, the sweat dripping and yeah. you're, on, you're waiting for it. Jean Renault is upstairs I, looking at the, at his uh, little <laughs> indicator thing. Yep. Uh, what is funny is going back to that movie, it's still a solid movie. It cracks me up when they have like this giant CD ROM, like these like huge CRT monitors, oh, yeah. and it is it is pretty funny. Made even more funny with the new spy movie Red Sparrow from this year, which was dumb and pointless. <laughs> that one of the things that they're trying to get is this like stack of six three and a half diskettes. Not a USB drive. Ooh, a zip disk. Not a zip drive. No, 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 sorry. A three and a half diskette. Okay. Oh, like old floppy, yeah. Old yeah, yeah. Like, Not floppy floppy. But yeah, like, not the five and a half floppy. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. three and a half. And I was like, what year is this movie <laughs> taking place in? It was uh, so dumb. Those hold all of what? 12 megabytes? Oh, gosh. It was so... I was just talking to... Each? Uh, to the blurs about that, that the first digital camera I ever used was the Sony Mavica, which took a three and a half disk. Oh, yeah. I could take 12 pictures at high resolution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, the fact that this new movie used those made no sense. So going back and watching Mission Impossible now oh, yeah. with this CD is, is just funny. Well, as a lighting guy, all the uh, lighting consoles for theaters, uh, there's a big generation of them mm. that used the floppy disk to save. That was the only way they could you could record yeah. a show. And so you have all these theaters going out and because they discontinued making them. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't make them anymore. And so you have a bunch of theaters that have a stockpile of them because that's the only way they can save their shows until they upgrade their lighting console. So interesting. Yeah. So like iOmega zip drives and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Well, that was like the whole like VHS versus beta war. Mm-hmm. Technically, beta won. Beta was still being used in newsrooms and on a professional capacity until just a few years ago. So, but anyway. Yeah, sorry. So, uh, yes. Go ahead. Okay. So, Mission Impossible. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. Okay. Uh, I think for my good movie, mm-hmm. for me, and again, this isn't, I'm not going to say it's the best okay. ice movie because it's not. There's problems with it. <laughs> Damn it, it's a fun heist movie. It's Ocean's Eleven. Okay, yeah. And you can't, like, I can't, I can watch that at any time of day. Which is good, because it is on TNT every, every day. day. <laughs> it's great. I turn on TNT, I watch it, and I sit there, and I'm I'm entranced by it. Mm-hmm. it the style, it's just got this, the coolness factor to it that, you know, just, it holds up even to this day, and it, it's just a fun movie. And I think it's clever with the reveal, like mm-hmm. the whole big kind of, twist at the end of how we did it how we done it you, you know can, i mean if you want to spoil it you can considering it, it's like what 15 20 years <laughs> old like at this the, point? these movies are a few years old yeah it, it, the, the whole reveal of like oh and this guy was pretending to make the phone call and then we intercepted the phone call and all the kind of like quote quote behind the scenes mm-hmm. of the heist I, I it just like it had such a great aesthetic to it such a great kind of fun to it I think like I think like Heat would be a better heist movie or something like that. Okay. As far as it's like a good movie, but like Ocean's just it's 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 almost like the the candy of heist movies. Mm-hmm. Where you're gonna sit down, it's a gummy bear. You can yeah. eat it. It doesn't mean much, but man, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that definitely makes sense. And one thing that we talked about off air is that with with a lot of these heist movies, the cast is stacked oh yeah so oceans 11 directed by steven soderbergh you know just a guy who has won a few things <laughs> he's been uh, around a few times george clooney what? bernie mac who? brad pitt what elliot gould no. casey affleck problematic um <laughs> hashtag right but i mean it just you, what you look at some of these movies now and you're like that is an incredible group of actors so yeah ocean's 11 it was funny the the heist was good like the heist elements i just i liked the planning aspects mm-hmm. of the whole thing it got a little bit ridiculous as the series went on oh, of course well uh, you we'll may get to that later uh, like, you may or may not be bringing one of those up so we will wait for that <laughs> so okay so nice yeah, and don Cheadle has the probably the worst cockney accent of uh, all of like cinema history well basically mm, mm, dick okay. van dyke is still worse Fair enough. Mary Poppins, like Dick Van Dyke, <laughs> ruined the British accent for our parents' generation because everything was just, oh, I cleaned your chimneys. Oh, I will. Oh, I will. <laughs> and so, but people kind of forgot about that. And then here Don- comes Don <laughs> Cheadle. <laughs> just like, come Wait on. Wait a Barney. Oh, yeah. Barney Rubble. Trouble. Trouble. Yeah, yeah. It was... So it's not perfect. No. It's not perfect by any means. But yeah. man, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Solid. Uh, so my... my my good. Um, I talked to any honorable mentions. So when I was going through the list, I was like, there are just too many. Uh, there are just way too many. So my, my first choice, my good inside man directed by Spike Lee came out in 2006. Now, again, let me just, uh, uh, pull up the cast for, <laughs> for this one. So first of all, I mean, directed by Spike Lee. Who? Yeah, exactly. You know, just, just a guy. Uh, so it stars Denzel Washington uh, and Clive Owen, who Clive Owen, again, like at this point was just kind of still building his his rep over here. He has been oh, a yeah. huge star overseas for a long time. Uh, Jodie Foster, Christopher Plummer, Willem Dafoe, Chiwetel Ejiofor. <laughs> like it was just crazy. 
this to me is one of the best heist movies because again, I had not seen something like it. Mm. It starts out in almost this like Christopher Nolan style where you see Clive Owen's character in a cell and he has like this heist, you know, he is telling you about the heist and he was like, and I'll show you how it happened. And you're like, all right, like kind of going backwards. He has already locked up. So he got caught, but this should be fun. Right. Goes through the film and does things in this movie that again, in all of these heist movies, it did different things. Dressing up everybody as the same was really clever. So when everybody, when the cops finally kind of burst in, everybody is like coming out, they all look the same. They're like, what did you see? And they're like, we didn't see anybody. Denzel Washington's character is multi-layered because he is dealing with like he embezzled or there was some other like a subplot where he is kind of under investigation. Right. He needs a win. Like he needs, he needs a win. You got to pull bad. this off. So there's that stress there, that tension, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Christopher Plummer's character owns the security box, the safety security box that they find out that they're trying to get may or may not have some Nazi connections. <laughs> like there is so much going on in this movie, but this is one of the smartest heist films. Like it just, the reveal is incredible. Uh, yeah. A spoiler alert. It came out in 2006, <laughs> but part of the heist. So he takes the thing, the MacGuffin yep. cuts out a section of the wall, builds it back up and is hiding in the wall for, I think like a couple of weeks, like lets everything cool down, comes out of the wall, walks out of the bank, bumps into Delta Washington, like drops a little diamond, you know, in his pocket and then they get like this, you know, he keeps walking. Clive Owen keeps walking. Denzel like reaches in his pocket. And then you see his process of going through it. Like just smart, super, super smart. So yeah, that was, that is my choice for good heist movie. Good pick. Inside man. Uh, now to, <laughs> now to the bad uh, heist movie, which again, to kind of reiterate, this is not a terrible film. This is probably one that we have seen more than once because it is, might have some fun aspects. Uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see uh, what you chose for your bad heist film. Uh, I'm going to go with Ocean's 13. Oh, there it is. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I revel in your kind of uh, any movie that you call ugly. I tend to enjoy. I'm that kind of nerd. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like the mystery science theater. Ocean's 13 to me is almost boring, which is weird for an Ocean's oceans heist yeah. movie or mm-hmm. a heist movie you know it, it's got they come back to vegas so they mm-hmm. have the repeating that you know andy garcia is now lo- no longer the villain he's you know on their side ish right you know going against al pacino who you know at this at this point i think it was al pacino kind of in this biggest slump i would say career-wise yeah, he, he did a lot of garbage he did a lot of stuff and then he's kind of picked it up in the last few years and does mm-hmm. a really interesting this one was just him just phoning it in just being really bad the 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 whole setup is just kind of the five diamond yeah, it, uh, the, award yeah, or whatever exactly and they got to steal that and then you have uh, matt damon and like this the worst prosthetic like nose thing with this like kind of date rapey drug oh, pheromone right. uh that, that whole plot line trying to seduce the secretary to get oh, in there gosh, with this was... like uh, uh you know cyrano de bergerac nose that was real problematic yeah <laughs> and it's like and it yeah with and it ends with like this cgi really crappy cgi helicopter you know taking up the whole like central oh, tower yeah, thing yeah. and so it, it's it's like they went oh let's take oceans 11 
turn it up all the way even more to 13, 13 and just make it even it's just it, it kind of fails it like falls flat on mm-hmm. his face and it kind of lo- it almost it's kind of the try too hard of a movie you know yeah. and so they lose that kind of effortless cool that they had with oceans 11 and yeah i i definitely i agree with that um i liked the reveal with uh was it the fox or the yeah the, sh- the not the chief uh <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah but yeah like i liked that reveal where he was watching them the whole time but they were also watching him watch them right again like so that was clever because again they already did that in oceans 12 with the whole uh fabergé egg plot line that was the whole thing in in oceans 12 was they had this whole like double reveal about that and so it's like what they did it again where it's like oh that whole time you were stealing this i was actually going to steal this but we knew you were going to steal this so we've already stolen this and it's like that's twice now. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot they did that same thing yeah. in twelve. <laughs> but I liked it in Ocean Thirteen because it was just clever. Because you have the scene on the rooftop, and he was like, "Ha ha! I have got the thing." <laughs> oh, they're that, like, "That's not going to offend people." <laughs> <laughs> I do have some French listeners, actually. Sorry about that, guys. Um, I apologize, French. I got nothing. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's so like I liked that when he was on the roof. Like, I got away with it, right? And they're like. Not really, because we knew that you were doing this, but we I, knew that you knew that we were doing... Well, yeah, well, like, I knew that you knew that. <laughs> right. And it just, it was silly, but yeah, it was definitely the roughest of the Oceans movies so far. <laughs> um, man, I just do not have hopes for Oceans 8. Really? I can't tell. It seems... Really, I know, right? I, I hide it real well. I was, I, had, I was talking to a friend about this, about this kind of recent and this might be a huge a much bigger co- conversation about this recent one where it's like let's redo a movie with an all-female cast mm-hmm. like oh, ghostbusters no. right exactly exactly and then oh no people are upset about it we get all this free publicity and it's right. like it's like no i it's fine that you're making a female cast we mm-hmm. had geeky movies with yeah. strong female leads kill bill i think mm-hmm. it has a, a very strong female cast both villain and hero on the heroic side protagonist yeah. side it just they just look like bad movies yeah. And I think that's what people are most upset about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not that they... Well, there well, is a group I mean, that is mad group, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. they're even being made. Well, that's true. I mean, they, like, they, 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 they don't count. They yeah. Count. Uh, yeah, so this is like... I have no problem with it being an all-female cast, and especially since it is within the universe. Sure. Like, Sandra Bullock is his sister or something? Yeah, like, yeah. Sure. Well, it's got some <laughs> Just, good... Like, Mindy Kaling is, uh, I think, always a great actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and does some good stuff. Uh, you know, they pull in, what was it, uh, not Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Blanchett, not Kate Blanchett? Is it? Uh, let me pull it yeah, up, because, I mean, again, like, the, the deck was stacked for this one. All, yeah, it is yeah. Kate Blanchett. Thank you. Um, yeah, like, fantastic actress, uh, does some cool stuff. I mean, she seems like she's the Brad Oh, Matt Pitt. Damon is in it. Uh, oh, spoiler alert. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, Dakota Fanning, Sarah Paulson, Anne Hathaway, Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, like, all <laughs> the just fantastic through. female actresses, yeah. you know? And I just uh, hope yeah, the script's there to really help i like rihanna of course i cannot figure her <laughs> um i am forgetting one of the main stars because oh yeah she is trash um wow her name rhymes with bolivia dunn uh wow the, the hatred here <laughs> not hatred Bro- olivia munn olivia munn olivia ugh. psylocke what you got a problem with psylocke? <laughs> terrible oh uh g4 tv's olivia oh, munn d- oh do not even get me started attack of the shows olivia- nope not gonna go there or this will turn into 20 minute tirade <laughs> Um, so I did actually, there was some stuff on the, on the interwebs, on the, on the dark geek interwebs. Oh dear. 
where basically they started running very early test screenings of Dark Phoenix, of the mm. new X-Men film. Okay. And I read pretty much the entire movie. Uh, oof. Mm-mm. Oof. Mm-mm. <laughs> like, it is... Fox, what are you doing? Th- they have no idea. Fox, Fox I think it, what are you doing? I think at this point, and Tim and I have talked about it before, they're just like, all right, cool. How many movies do we have left until we can just shake hands with Marvel and just give it all back? Cool, we need to do one more X-Men, we need to do a Fantastic... Sure. Because, like... 2020 their hat like fox is done they are they already have kind of said that this is the last x-men movie they're sure. doing they still have a couple other properties that they're still going to iron out i mean the, if deadpool goes under the mouse's control and changes i will be very sad about that true I think that's but probably... I, I, they're smarter than that as much yeah, as yeah. disney is a family company disney is yeah, in the money true. business family company like they they know what they're doing that's true and fox has no idea warner brothers has no idea <laughs> Disney Marvel is about the only one that that does. So anyway, yeah. So Ocean's 8, incredible cast. Uh, Gary Ross is directing it. Let me me pull him. Which he also did the screenplay. Uh, He looks wrong. Oh, he wrote the Hunger Games movie. Wrote Pleasantville. Wrote Big. Seabiscuit. Okay, so this guy has some jobs (laughs) for sure. Interesting. And then The Tales of Despero. I remember that. That was a cute movie. Yeah. You might be pleasantly surprised, John. Oh, nope. Uh, oh, no. He wrote the screenplay Uh-oh. for one of the worst movies of 2016, Ooh. Free State of Jones. I didn't see that. Oh. Oh, is that the Bridget Jones sequel? No. No. no, no. Okay, sorry. No. Okay. All right. Never mind. Uh, I definitely didn't see that movie and Ante- watched it 15 times. What? No. <laughs> Antebellum South, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Mahershala Ali. Oh, it is atrocious. It basically is... You know, there were slaves, but Wait, check what? out this white guy and what he did. He struggled a lot, oh. I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> mm, that, I just got even less excited for Ocean's 8, <laughs> if that was possible. Uh, okay, so Ocean's 13. Uh-oh. What was your bad? That's my bad. Okay. Uh, and what you will notice with some of these is they are all around kind of the same time period. Sure. Jed and I talked about that, but at the same time, like, these are the movies that we were watching when they were coming out, so... I mean, yeah, I could pull out some like deep cuts of movies that came out a long time ago. I'm not going to do that. Well, I think some mentions should be made for like Pink Panther, Fish Called Wanda, right? You know, those are great older heist movies. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the, the the old Pink Panther, yeah, not the ones with no. Steve Martin and Beyonce. Humble girl, Ugh, those were rough. Humble girl. Uh, so my my bad heist movie, 2003, directed by who oh boy. Uh, on Andres Bartkowiak. Man, you're really <laughs> going was... for the French today, aren't you? Oh, that, I think that that is Russian. Oh, okay. Um, he has some Z's and J's in his name. Poland. There dig, we go. Dig that hole there, John. <laughs> will do. Uh, yeah. So directed by Andres Bartkowiak, uh, <laughs> who you might remember. Oh yeah, from 2005, Doom. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, um, the Rock, the Rock. Oh, go. yep. Um, he did. He was the director of photography for Speed, so he has a you know a little bit sure of All stuff. Right. Uh, but the movie is 2003, starring DMX and Jet Li, oh, Cradle yes. to the Grave. Yes. Who? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the reason this gets bad first, the movie is terrible. Uh, but Jet Li. In that period from, I mean, Once Upon a Time in China got released in the U.S. in the early 90s, released in China way before that. I started watching Jet Li movies in like middle school, anything that he did. 
he was like the Sonic the Hedgehog to uh, Jackie Chan Mario. Like the slightly, Ooh, yeah, yeah. like the edgier, he's rad, he's cool, I'm early 2000s, I drink Mountain Dew and I do have this whole new fighting style. <laughs> right. Well, the all new fighting style, which was Wushu, which he was an international champion at the age of 11. But, uh... I mean, he had some chops. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> so this movie, the, the heist mm-hmm. in this, so <laughs> DMX's character, this, this movie is so dumb. I was just recently, uh... Like on YouTube, just like I looked up a couple of clips. I was like, yeah, this is still real bad. <laughs> uh, but it stars before we go into the plot. Uh, so again, DMX, Jet Li, uh, Kelly Hu, Tom Arnold, Gabrielle Union, uh, and Mark Dacascus, who is also like a legit martial artist who dropped off the face of the planet for a while, is going to be in John Wick 3. Ooh. Super excited about that. Yeah. Like, the guy's legit. He was in the Crow TV show. Oh, right, yes. If you remember yes, that one. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Brotherhood of the Wolf. Okay. The French the fr- movie, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. dope. Uh, hey, we can do Matrix-style stuff, too. Oof. In, in oh, not ancient, in uh, 18th century. 18th century <laughs> France. <laughs> werewolf. Yeah. It's all werewolves, John. Don't worry about it. Um. So, yeah. So, the, the heist in Cradle to the Grave... DMX needs to get diamonds, but there are of black diamonds, Oh, uh, which also are a weapon of mass destruction, we find out later in the film. <laughs> um, real bad. But the reason I like it and the reason that I've watched it more than once, Jet Li and Mark Tkaskis are great martial artists. The action set pieces are solid in this. DMX has a really cool escape scene on four wheelers, like going over rooftops, uh, was this the movie that had the like um, Mortal Kombat where like you would zoom in and do the X-ray for like? Am I thinking of the no? Movie? That was oh. uh, Jet Li's The One. Yes. Okay. Loved <laughs> that movie. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I'm, oh the Jet Li's movie just kind of go together. Well, I remember watching Jet Li The One in the theater. Uh huh. Well, what year was that? Uh, I should pull that up. So I watched that in the theater, and I were watching it, being like, "This is the closest we're ever going to get to Dragon Ball Z." Mm. Until, I mean, no, nope. this him. is the closest we still haven't made a Dragon Ball Z movie, which is nope. weird. They, I think they, they would they, by nope. now. Yeah, never. No, they, they did not. Uh, Gently the One. 2001. So, yeah, a couple years before before this one. Uh, that was a great movie. Time Travel. Yeah, Jason Statham in one of his early movies, US style sure, movies. Sure. Uh, yeah, the description on IMDb for Cradle to the Grave A jewel thief's daughter is kidnapped. After he steals a collection of prized black diamonds, which aren't at all what they seem, because they are weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cradle to the Grave. I, I have watched this again. Uh, Jet Li is great. He is a really phenomenal martial artist, and I will watch most movies that he is in. This is rough. And this is when DMX is also trying to yeah, his be acting. an actor. Because the same, so Jet Li, DMX, and the director to Romeo Must Die. Mm-hmm. A couple years before this, which I saw in the theater. Rest in peace, Aaliyah. Good God, she was gorgeous. Um, but yeah, so uh, that that was my bad heist movie. That's a good choice. Good it was, choice. Yeah, it, was, it was rough. Uh, now into the, so the piece there is did not give it to you. Mm. <laughs> no, there's a bell around here. Some- <laughs> oh, there it is. I see it back there. Is that the bad joke bell? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is all right. Uh, okay, so the piece de resistance, the ugly heist movie. Your choice is... So I have Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Ocean's Twelve. No, I actually yeah, I won't go into Ocean's Twelve. I really do have a soft spot spot in my heart for the really bad movies. Yes. I am one of those people. Mm-hmm. 
this one, I watched it with my wife and then we sat back and just kind of, kind of marinated it in a little bit mm-hmm. and just went, let it wash over yeah, you and just went penetrated. you. Oh, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Mark Ruffalo. Um, hmm. he's in the, don't worry about that. Okay. Um, it's just so bad <laughs> and it makes no coherent sense whatsoever within the world of the movie. Hmm. It's now you see me, the magician yeah. caper. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it makes like, it's, they put on this whole like going back to Mysterio. Like, mm-hmm. with that, they go into like these master magicians, master mm-hmm. sleight of hand artists. They kind of present these as all real world, like David Copperfield, Practifi- you know, practical effects, exactly. Type thing. Mm-hmm. And then they be <laughs> fall into like without a change, they fall into like Harry Potter mm-hmm. land with these these really, you know, it's there's um, Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. is in it, um, Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> yeah. Um, Isla Fisher is in it as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo is the the FBI agent trying to hunt them down. And spoilers, or it, is he? Is, yeah, you find out he's the mastermind behind this whole plan the entire time. But he's been the one uh, uh, again. With the, it has a uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, Dave Franco, 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 Del, De, David, De, Dave Franco, Dave Franco. People always make fun of the way that I say Franco. Franco. Again, with the French. This I is know. a problem See, for What you. I was trying to do, I was trying to respect their heritage by Franco. my pronunciation. <laughs> so fine. From this point forward on the About Tree podcast, Dave and his brother, who is super problematic, will be Franco. <laughs> but then yeah, I think about the Franco-Prussian War and then... Oh. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, Michael Caine. Yeah. Isn't this? It's like this uh, kind of... Common. Ugh. Yeah. Isn't this? Well, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, he's, it was, he's, he's another kind of angry... He actually is not too bad in the movie. He's like this kind of gruff cop uh, mm-hmm. trying to hunt them down along with Mark Ruffalo. Uh, yeah, Morgan Freeman, who's in the news right now, I know. Yeah. Um, as the voice of the subway. We'll just talk about that part, I guess. <laughs> How awkward is that going to be? It, it was like the day they revealed <laughs> yeah. it, too. They, well, they've pulled it. Oh, they did? I believe so. Because it was like, the, they like, hey, we got Morgan Freeman to announce it. Oh, God, no. <laughs> right. Oh, Imagine, no. Like, going through, you know, a New York tunnel. The lights go out and it was like, next stop. And they're like, oh, God, where are you? <laughs> next stop. Penguins. Uh, um, that's yeah. my. That's the best Morgan that Freeman I got. Terrible. It's horrible. That's the best I have. Okay. Uh, so it has this great cast. It has a mm-hmm. pretty decent cast. And it just makes absolutely mm-hmm. no sense whatsoever you're never clear on why they're doing anything nope. like what they're it's all of them trying to like quote quote ish audition or become a part mm-hmm. of this secret cabal what do um, they call it that a stupid oh name. yeah it's really bad um team of illusionists i gotta yeah you, you know look I'll yeah yeah keep blabbering on about it <laughs> But it, it's so none of it makes sense. It's just incoherent. Like the whole great part of Ocean's Eleven, for instance, or mm-hmm. Ocean's Thirteen, for that matter. Like you said, is that kind of like, oh, cool. There's this like we know this whole plan's going on, and we can show the audience point A to B to C. You may watch right. it the first time through and just see A and D, and then we'll do the flashback and you see C and D. Mm-hmm. Now you see me. There's no C and D. It's like A to like Q, and you're like, wait, where's M? And they're like, no, don't worry about that. Yeah. Here's O, and you're like, what? That still doesn't, huh? Well, and then like in did you see the sequel now you see me too i have not makes it even more ridiculous so one point one of the scenes i think it is jesse eisenberg's character um aka mark zuckerberg Zuckerberg. um, (laughs) where you see this like he is in the rain and i think it was in one of the trailers 
where basically he has people surrounding him with all their cell phones and he drops to the ground in the rain and then disappears. Well, that's yeah. And it's like, okay, is this actually magic? Like this is, this is beyond sleight of hand now. Well, like, this the, makes in, no sense. In the first one, now you see me, they completely they, lose the thread with that. Yeah. They turn into money. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it's like they joining this by joining sort of the joining. four horsemen. Thank you. Yep. Even though there's like five of them or something yeah, there like are that. A lot. Yep. And then, then Mark Ruffalo is the fifth horseman or the horseman or whatever. So they, apocalypse. I guess somebody in charge of the four horsemen. There you go. You know. That makes sense. <laughs> About as much sense as the rest of this movie. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so they get these magic powers, even though they're not part of the four horsemen, they're mm-hmm. all trying to figure out to become four horsemen, but they have these amazing abilities that have no, you know, if they came back and revealed some of the practical effects, there's some kind of a good scene where they have like this weird mirror that re- like was blocking off half of right. the parking garage or something like that, where they kind of, that's how they got away. So they have these little tastes of like practical effects mm-hmm. of like these, like, oh, cool. That's how they did it. But not enough. But not enough. And again, not to the point where, again, with the Oceans movies, as you were watching, you're like, wait, how did this happen? Blah, blah. And then you would show like, oh, okay. The practical reason, even though it was dumb when it shows uh, the fox like jumping through the lasers and right. all that to like music, like, like, all right, cool, whatever. But you buy into it. And now you see me and now you see me too. Which I still should have called like, now you don't see me or now you see me don't or <laughs> keep, keep workshop on that. Yep. I, you might I, get there. I, I don't see me. Uh, but it was just like, no, I see you. Uh, there is never that moment where you're like, Oh, right. This is this, you know, and it was like, all of us want to know how the magician does their tricks, even though they never tell you the prestige. Exactly. With that, with Prestige and The Illusionist, back to back, you saw the results of the magic and it was horrifying. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there was that moment where it was like, got it. Yeah. And neither of those movies has that. And the the whole antagonist of the whole film is in on it. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you completely, it's the whole purpose of it. It's like, was it to fool Morgan Freeman's character who is like this of a magician buster basically of like, Oh, I'm going to announce how they've done all these tricks, Mm -hmm. you know? And the whole, that's like, they're trying to fool him, I guess with their magical thing, the four horsemen. (laughs) Right. (sighs) Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. Okay. Solid choice for ugly. Thank you. Uh, my ugly 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, let me actually pull this one up again. Uh, cause for some reason my, my computer went all, Oh, weird. Probably because it was like, why are you looking up all these terrible movies? <laughs> I am protesting right now. 2001, directed by Dominic Senna, mm. who you might remember, hopefully not, uh, from movies such as uh, the Janet Jackson video short, <laughs> uh, the Taylor Dane All Be Your Shelter video short. I love that one. Um, basically, the only thing that you might actually know him from, Gone in 60 Seconds. You know, really? So that came out in 2000. The movie that he did in 2001. Let me just read the cast. Okay. You have Hugh Jackman, John Travolta, Halle Berry. Oh, no. Don Cheadle. No, John. Vinnie Jones. You've gone too far. Swordfish. Oh, my gosh. The problematic things in this movie are are without measure. To say the least. So, first of all, so the plot... (laughs) <laughs> is the most generic like hack into the dod style thing they have money in the federal reserve hugh jackman is the hacker john travolta with a terrible wig all of his wigs actually not all of them some of them are decent terrible wig terrible soul patch oh yeah <laughs> uh is just the the conniving 
uh, mob boss type person who was like, all right, you need to crack into the FBI servers to do this. Hugh Jackman is this elite hacker. Of course he is. Who, <laughs> if I had an extra keyboard, uh, actually, I would just do it. So this, <laughs> basically the entire movie is just him just pounding on the keyboard. Like It makes no sense. At least with Hackers, the movie, when that came out, well, it, was it, like, it was like, okay, like this, none of it makes sense. But sure, in this one, you have Hugh Jackman, and again, in a very problematic scene where he is auditioning right. for John Travolta. So they sit him down with the computer to break into the DOD, and they're like, you know, expert hackers say it would take 60 minutes. You have 60 seconds. So Vinnie Jones, the enforcer, puts a gun to his head while one of John Travolta's female assistants starts doing some other stuff under the table <laughs> to Hugh Jackman to distract him. And it was like, what? Like, yeah. it's, is this actually happening? I remember watching this being like, this is not real. Like, I'm not actually watching this, am I? <laughs> Where a man is at a keyboard trying to break into the DOD, just literally just smashing the keyboard. Uh, it's the best, like, the best early 2000s we're going to show. Yeah. It was very much so like the CBS, like um, CSI, like all mm-hmm. those like procedural cri- crime dramas, the hacking right. mo- moments where like, oh, oh. we got to reroute the servers and back in the front end of the, <laughs> right. and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. That- so it just, it, and he just, he seriously just smashes the keyboard. You never know what he is typing. Windows pop up. and <laughs> Oh, yeah. And what is crazy about all of these movies that have to do with hacking, the computers make noises that no computers make. And it'd be like, like as they are typing, and it was like, what what system are you using? No systems make that noise. I like the the computers that project the screen onto the person. That's Ooh, my personal yeah, yeah. favorite. Uh, uh, I feel like the net did that with Sandra yeah. Bullock. Yep, 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 yep. There's yeah. actually a, a, actually well used in Jurassic Park, and when the Velociraptors attack the like command center, mm-hmm. the DNA code is projected onto the Velociraptor as, as when they're in the vents. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had this weird thing where it's like we're going to show what's on the screen by projecting it on their face. Yeah, love that. So love it. In in just this one problematic scene <laughs> where Hugh Jackman has has a gun to his head and something else going on under the table, uh, and meanwhile John Travolta and Halle Berry are watching this. Uh, and Halle Berry has this like weird smile on her face, and it was just so uncomfortable. And Travolta is like, "You have forty five seconds, ten seconds, blah blah." It gets to zero, and he's like, "Guys, oh, wait, I'm almost there." Blah blah. Is he almost there? And at which aspect is he almost there? Oh, a double entendre. Right. So then, uh, John Travolta's like, "Kill him." So Vinnie Jones fires the gun, just goes click. And then they started laughing and they're like, aha, it was basically an impossible task. It was the Kobayashi Maru that nobody could actually do in 60 minutes or in 60 seconds. So the woman who was kind of under the table just disappears. You never see her. <laughs> well, they don't um, even like address it either. Nope. I don't think if I remember correctly, she just kind of is not there anymore. Yeah. And Travolta makes some comedy. He was like, she's, she's pretty good, huh? And it was just like, ew. <laughs> and then Hugh Jackman triumphantly turns the computer around and he did hack it. Within 60 seconds, which what? nobody had ever done before. <laughs> just like, come on. <laughs> it was it was just real Surfish. bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, like the cast was incredible. And this is 2001 where, I mean, Halle Berry had not done Catwoman yet. John Travolta had, had already done a bunch of crap movies, but he had also done Face Off. He has. Is this pre-Battlefield Earth? 
Yes, but close. Close. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Hugh Jackman wasn't quite like this. Is like no, this was just before so X two thousand one. So this was yeah, right before uh, X Men. Oh, yeah. trying to think. I think the first was it two thousand two thousand one. I think it might have been two thousand. I remember reading the casting stuff for that in like nineteen ninety eight, mm. and ooh, tying in Mission Impossible. All right, Mission Impossible two. Yeah, uh, the villain Dugray Scott first auditioned for Wolverine, All turned right. it down, and cool. then he, right, and then Hugh Jackman gets it and has been Wolverine for twenty years. Yeah, but Hugh Jackman's just a charming, charming uh, bastard. Y- yeah. Uh, so X Men two thousand. There you go. So, so right after that. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, British back-to-back. Uh, oh, they needed Kate and Leopold in 2001. Oh, that was a classic. Blech. I think I actually saw that one. Wait, let me see. Is that the one where he was? He yes. built the elevator? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. I'm from the past. I'm. They had the weird ancestral ang- angle, too, where it was like uh, yeah, he was their ancestor or something like yeah. that. And then they got busy. Yeah. But because he... Heist movie. <laughs> <laughs> but because he did not invent the... In- elevator then like the future was all messed up or something man that was weird um <laughs> congratulations you are the last person to have thought about kate and leopold <laughs> right in two years oh man yeah that was rough uh so yeah my my ugly is, is absolutely uh oh, that's a good choice swordfish because it was just and it was also one of the big deals because Halle Berry did like a topless scene and that was the first one that right. she had done so me being a somewhat adolescent young man, I was like, Halle Berry. <laughs> um, what I sounded like as an adolescent. <laughs> that is pitch perfect. That was great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the movie is trash. And it just it is not worth watching. Swordfish, you can pretty much go on YouTube and either watch the whole thing in various clips or somebody has, I'm sure, ripped the entire thing. Well, I've, I feel like that scene is Swordfish, the movie. Like, that's the only scene you pretty see. Pretty much. If you watch that scene and go, I want to see more of this. One, you're a horrible person. <laughs> I was like, you have problems. <laughs> you have problems. But two, there you go. That's the movie. Yeah. Which is weird because, yeah, the year before, Gone in 60 Seconds, another heist movie. Yeah. And I thought about putting that as my honorable mention. But I was mm. like, first of all, I do not want to give this director uh, too much credit because, ugh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like the year before, it was like, okay, like solid. God, that was Gone in 60 Seconds is such a early 2000s movie. Yes. Like that is the quintessential like hey what's what are the early 2000s like oh here's a movie oh okay really it was like that no but we wanted to no. be like that yeah really okay angelina jolie with the dreads Ugh. the bleach dreads Ugh. the white yeah the white dreads which yeah just weird <laughs> oh and nick cage mm. at the height of his action mm. like uh, height uh, is strong it was the rock was around that time it was and again I, I thought about putting the rock but i was like technically they go to Alcatraz to stop the nuclear weapon, not necessarily like to take it away. Like yeah, I think that's where the debate is of what is a heist movie. Like uh, when we were looking at the lists, like mm-hmm. Die Hard popped up as a heist movie, which I, I disagree I with. Yeah, I wouldn't agree with that. I could see where there Die Hard was it. Uh, I feel like the third one when they're trying to go for the New York Reserve. Yeah, like that one a little bit. The first one, like Hans Gruber. Like what is he trying? Well, he to was, s- I mean that if it was if the movie was about Hans Gruber, mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be a heist movie. He's but it was not. <laughs> but it wasn't. It's about John McClane, right? The air ducks and doing stuff. Yeah, Hans Gruber was having a heist going on, but it was not a, a central part of the no. movie. Yeah, Die Hard is, and I, I will maintain this until forever. Christmas movie. I knew you were going to say that. Not a heist movie. You're going to say that. Christmas movie. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. 
Um, I think another honorable mention I, I wanted to touch this on the good was Ant-Man. I think was a kind of a fun yeah. heist movie. It was it was Marvel's take on the heist movie. Yeah. You know, and they, I got to give them credit of doing all these different genre ad- adaptations. And they're like, hey, Ant-Man, that's going to be a good heist movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, I, th- that was their goal going into it. And in that sense, they did succeed, even though it is it is one of the Marvel movies that just they kind of had to do just to keep pushing the story along, mm-hmm. keep introducing some characters just to kind of lay the seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim and I talked about that, like with Thor, the Dark World. Mm hmm. Not a great movie, but it introduces the ether. Sure. Odin dies. Like, I mean, they're, they have to have it there. Sure. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp looks great. Uh, I can't wait for that. Like, that one actually looks really solid. I'm super pumped. So, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, the heist versus caper style movie uh, is is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Usual Suspects was another heist That was another one on the, on the list. popped up. Which I think that would I would argue is a very debatable whether or not that was a heist movie. There's the grand reveal. There's the kind right. of the pieces falling together at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is a heist going on, but I don't quite feel like it's a heist yeah. movie. You know, yeah, solid movie though. Great, Great movie. movie. Great movie. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, so okay, quick rundown then. Uh, so your first honorable mention was. The first one I talked about was Mission Impossible, but mm-hmm. my, I got to give my good to Ocean's Eleven as yep. far as just being cotton candy. Not great for you, but man, you know what? On a summer day, it's fun to watch. Yeah. And Tom Cruise is determined to kill himself. Oh, in Mission Impossible? I mean, not even joking. When you watch what this man does, I've said this also before, he is the best action star of our generation. Mm. People could debate other people like, you know, what about Arnold? What about Cy? Like, hmm. no. Watch what Tom Cruise does. Hmm. Like, watch the behind the scenes. He is doing literally as much as he legally can before the lawyers are like, no. Like, we're not going to dangle you. Other than he was like, okay, See, how I- about I do this? But like in Mission Impossible 2, uh, the rock climbing scene. Sure. He wanted to, like, he wanted to do it just free form. Oh, yeah. And they're like, Tom. No, like we need to at least put a safety guide wire on you. They did, and he slipped. Well, I think there's. Like, a, I forgot the actor who said that. I think there was a great interview. I wish I'm blank. I'm so sad. I can't remember the name. Where he was actually kind of ragging on Tom Cruise because oh, it foolish. No, because it, it, it you know there's stunt people for a reason. If it and it, right. and it it seems a little barbaric, but if like a stunt person breaks their ankle, like what happened to Tom Cruise in the most recent Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. you know, if they break their ankle, you know, filming can continue. Right. You may not do that scene again or that stunt that day, but filming can continue. Tom Cruise gets hurt. Tom Cruise breaks his ankle like he did. Production stops. Six weeks. Yeah. That's six weeks of jobs. They're just sitting around going like, well, I guess I could do something now. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm not putting that on Tom Cruise. I'm putting I, that. I, I, I got it. I think it's selfish on his part. I, I really think it do. is amazing on on his part. I but think it's a, a, this machismo bravado of like, yeah, I do my own stunts, you know. I guess, but I mean, I, the the complete opposite would be Jackie Chan, sure, where he does all of his stunts, and it is not about bravado. It is like I do not want to put my my Jackie Chan stunt team in danger, so let me do this, you know. So those well, are kind of two sides of the coin. When but Tom Cruise was doing Vanilla Sky, yeah. You know, Jackie Chan had already had like probably two hundred something broken you know. bones. <laughs> well, yeah, in two hundred fight scenes and stunts, yeah. and if not anything else, under his belt. And you have Tom Cruise now in his 
fifties, I think. Yeah. You know, going like, oh no, I can totally keep up. I just, it, it, I feel like it's reckless. I honestly do. Interesting. Yeah. I do think one of the brilliant behind the scenes featurettes that they have released so far for the new mission impossible. Mm-hmm. So the helicopter scene that you see in the trailers. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Tom Cruise went to them and they're, and they're like, okay, how, you know, if we need a camera guy in here, if we need to do this, I still want to make sure people can see me. He goes to them and he was like, okay, how do I work the camera? And they're like, seriously? So in that scene, he is flying the helicopter. He is maneuvering the cameras, which he has an exterior and two interior. He is director of photography. And like, it blows my mind, just the vision that he has. So it is not just riding his motorcycle, which you see in the trailer. He gets hit and gets launched. That is also him. Right. But flying a helicopter and maneuvering the cameras, like the guy is just incredible. Crazy. But incredible. I agree. And it, as somebody who has done stage combat, who has mm-hmm. friends who are uh, stuntmen, former stuntmen, uh, I, for me, it really comes down to you have people whose jobs that they've worked for their entire lives to do those stunts. Right. And have trained and have perfected how to do those stunts safe, safely. Mm-hmm. And then you have Tom Cruise like, I can do that. <laughs> you know? Right. That's, uh, that, I guess that's where my really big sticking point is. Yeah. And that yeah. is valid. Yeah. And I think more actors want to do more of their own stunts but still the legal team is like mm, no not everybody is tom cruise For uh good reason in black panther the mm-hmm. casino scene mm-hmm. so denai guerrer uh she actually did a lot of the bow staff work up on top when she was fighting like the three dudes mm-hmm. so you can watch behind the scenes thing with that there's a fantastic uh breakdown i think variety did it where ryan coogler did the anatomy of the fight scene mm-hmm. oh yeah i saw uh, that yeah incredible but again she did the parts that would be the most effective seeing her. Totally. You know, and then she kind of well, took think a little step uh, back. S- Sebastian Stan and Winter mm-hmm. Soldier, you know, <sighs> practicing hours upon day with the knife flips and working you, oh, those fight like scenes. Like that behind the and scenes. It shows. It really does. Yeah. That behind the scenes is amazing. The fight scene that he has. Because you see, like, when you see the knife flip in the movie, you're like, all right, that is cool. And then you watch the behind the scenes and you're like, no, he did that. Like mm-hmm. that is a legit move in the middle of combat where he tosses a knife, grabs a different direction. Like, yeah, yeah it was pretty tremendous. Yeah. Other trained stage combat and fight people, professional wrestlers are okay. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking Ice of which, movie. so Ace Comic-Con is coming up at the end of this month, possibly. Um, yeah, I will tell you more about that. All uh, right. But anyway, so Ace Comic-Con is, poten- <laughs> is potentially coming to Seattle at the end of the month. I might be covering it again Things a little bit weird, but they're they're bringing some wrestlers. All right. uh, one of the big Japanese wrestlers, guy. <laughs> I have no idea. Man, you're going after all. He uh, Nakamura. Yes. Hey, Shinsuke. Yes, that sounds familiar. Shinsuke Nakamura. Sure. Yeah, he's cool. I love um, good, good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, he's going to be here, and then um, he knees people in the head. Oh, is that his thing? Yeah. His I did see a video so somewhat... does a running knee to the person's head. Oh, okay. It's called the Kinshasa. Okay. It was called the Bomaye. It's from uh, uh, Ali Rumble in the Jungle. That's what they would chant, Bomaye. Oh, okay. Ali Bomaye. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. And they so say he took that, and then so they didn't want to do that one because it basically means like kill him or whatever. Oh. <laughs> and so they took the name of the town, Kinshasa, and called it... The, that's the name of the Nino. Okay. And uh, see? Huh? Huh? Becky, Becky Lynch? Yeah. Uh, and Carmella All right. are going to be here as well. There you go. I'm all about that. Whoever they are. Fantastic people. Wrestlers, uh, I there was, I did see a clip of Brock Lesnar uh-huh. when he got kneed in the head by 
Braun Strawman. Okay. Uh, and Brock Lesnar got upset <laughs> and like legitimately punched him. And I was like, okay, that was pretty funny. So John, remember when I said at the beginning of this, that that was gonna be a heist movie uh-huh. in this podcast? Oh, come on. I turned this podcast from a heist movie to a wrestling this podcast. This is when you go to the flashback and you're exactly. layering all this in All here. the time. So in editing, you go back and be like, wrestling? Oh, I think we, we, WWE. Or, mm-hmm. And you know, go back through. Rude. Uh, okay. My so it's worked so, perfectly. So yeah. So your honorable mention, Mission Impossible. Honorable mention, Mission Impossible. The good, Ocean's 11. Uh, the bad, Ocean's 13. Mm-hmm. Ocean's 12, you get a pass just this just, once. Just once. <laughs> yep. And then you're ugly. Uh, now you see me. Yeah, you should watch Now You See Me too. I should. I feel like we need to watch that together and with beverages. We could do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that has to be it. I can't, I don't don't do that to me alone. <laughs> yeah. And if I if I suggest my wife to that to another Now You See Me, she may murder me. Fair, fair. Uh, yeah. And my good was Inside Man, directed by Spike Lee. Tremendous, not only just tremendous movie, tremendous heist film. Did unique things. It was different. Uh, I really really like that. My bad. Cradle to the Grave. Uh, as much as I love Jet Li and Mark Dacascas doing legitimate martial arts and being their own stuntman and doing everything they can, the movie is just trash. The uh, movie is so dumb. But my ugly, it isn't, yeah, Cradle to the Grave, as bad as it is, <laughs> does not even hold a candle to Swordfish from 2001, which is atrocious. Which is probably, I think it's like on probably one of the worst movies of all time. Swordfish? Yeah, I think it's up there. Possibly. I wonder if it won a Razzie. Oh, I think it's got to have won a Razzie. Who hey. knows? Five wins and eight nominations. Uh uh-huh. Oh, come on now. Uh oh, don't do like a Suicide Squad best makeup on me. No, what that does not make sense. So it lists BET Awards from 2002. Winner, Best Actress, Halle Berry for Monsters Ball. Nice try, Swordfish. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Wait a second. That di- that's a different movie. Yeah. Uh it won a BMI Film and TV Award for Film Music Award for Paul Oakenfold and Christopher Young. For the Man, music, they are uh, stretching that. Uh, the Golden Schmoes Award, which are similar to the Razzies, best TNA of the year is Halle Berry. Oh, um, yeah, that's uh, uh, best action sequence of the year and best memorable, most memorable scene in a movie was also the Golden Schmoes nominee. Uh, it's most, it's memorable. I'll give them that. Uh, Halle Berry won an Image Award for Outstanding Actress in a Motion Picture for Swordfish. It says that, but I have a feeling they meant Monsters Ball. <laughs> Because it says 2002. Man. Th- it's got to be Monster's Ball. This IM- whoever has control of this IMDb page is like, all right. Let me- what was the director's name again? I let let me do some hacking. <laughs> like, like Hugh Jackman. Ah, Jackman. Um, and it did win a Razzie Award in 2010. Oh, wait. For Worst Actor of the Decade for John Travolta. Ooh, wait. That's harsh. For, for Battlefield Earth, yep. Domestic Disturbance, okay. Lucky Numbers, and Old Dogs. But it does not list Swordfish. This page is a mess. Hmm. And again, it lists he was a nominee for a Razzie for John Travolta for Domestic Disturbance. That Okay, weird. I uh, did win some World Sport or was nominated for World Stunt Awards. That one actually makes sense. All right. Weird. Uh, get the stunt guys an Oscar, man. Uh, they do need a category. They do. They have a technical Oscar for stuff and they have their own. Um, what is their? The they have a, They have a stuntman uh award ceremony also because demita jane who i met who was michonne stunt double uh she was talking about it i can't remember what it was called though anyway so yeah so that was the rundown of our good bad and ugly heist films uh yeah uh what else is uh anything going on in your world other than oceans eight is there any are there any movies coming up that you are uh excited to see uh 
I mean, I just saw Deadpool 2 mm-hmm. a few days ago, which, I again, I can't highly... Re- as a comic book nerd, the amount of references in that movie, yeah. <laughs> uh, when there's a certain character that gets chopped up, let's say, mm-hmm. I almost wet myself with laughter i was sobbing through that whole scene Mm -hmm. my wife had to check on me because i couldn't i was like wheezing because i was laughing so hard Mm -hmm. all through that scene um the biggest one i would have to say that's coming up is ant-man you know i again i go back to the the comic book nerd but i think marvel the mcu has done a lot of their movies so well Mm -hmm. then even if they're not the greatest like you go back thor 2 right they're still enjoyable yeah, you still have a good time, and I think Ant Man looks like it might. And of course, they have. How is it going to tie into Infinity War? You right. know, all that building. My biggest thing Uh-oh. that we see in the trailer. Uh oh. So you see Hank Pym uh, shrink the building sure. and then kind of like roll it away in a suitcase. Don't, yeah, that makes no sense. So don't, don't worry about that. That because I was like, okay, are people in there? <laughs> um, Not anymore. It's <laughs> like that is going to be rough. Just like a just like a sprinkler. Ugh. Just, ugh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, Pim particles are mm-hmm. the speed force of the Marvel universe. You, you, you just it, yeah. it just happens. Just let it, let it happen. It, they do things again. The Flash had a cosmic treadmill at one point where he could travel through time. Real thing. God, DC. <laughs> I mean, you beautiful bastard. Uh, it was also at the same time around then where Superman was flying through space, right? Sneezed and blew out a sun or a star, <laughs> technically, <laughs> which is not how fission works. But yeah, it was it was bad. Uh, cool. So, and then upcoming things for this podcast. Uh, so Sebastian Lelio, that interview is on YouTube, uh, right now, uh, coming up in two weeks will be the interview I did with Morgan Neville, who is the director of won't you be my neighbor. Oh, nice. Beautiful film. I have seen it twice already. I technically cannot review that one until next week or something. Blink twice. If you liked it. Oh, he liked yeah. it. Well, I can say I can give a capsule review, oh, Okay, which is. Go see this movie as soon as you can whenever it gets to your city. Anybody in our generation who grew up with this mm-hmm. is going to get wrecked. Oh, like no. it, the world did not deserve Fred Rogers. No, no like it didn't. really, it really did not. So the interview I did with Morgan Neville will be up on a, in a couple of weeks. Um, Ace Comic Con is coming up at the end of the month. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will go from there. Uh, the other thing is. This week, there's only one kind of movie uh, in the theaters that I will be seeing, which is Hereditary, mm. this new kind of spooky movie. And then next week's episode will be review for Hereditary and also a bunch of Sif movies that I can now I can talk about at that point that I have already seen. It gets weird with Sif, the Seattle International Film Festival. But yeah, so that wraps it up for for this episode of the About to Review podcast. Uh, make sure to, again rate review and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice also go on facebook.com slash about review you can now review the review the podcast on there which i only found out like three weeks ago just now you are about to review yeah oh somebody already did that which they did on itunes like years ago which is great that was me uh probably uh so yeah you can go on facebook give the show five stars that is awesome renton city comic-con vote for this podcast in three different categories uh, best podcast of the year, geek of the year, and then like, how did you hear about Torrance City Comic Con? You can put the About to Review podcast. God, I hope you win geek of the year. That would be incredible. Oh man. Um, I mean, it is all up to the people. Uh, <laughs> I think because when I tried to go on, no, they fixed it, so you can actually. I think you can vote once a day. Mm. They never really got back to me about that. Mm. So, but for now, 
go on there every day, folks, and and vote for this podcast. Uh, vote yeah. early, vote often. <laughs> vote early, vote often. And you can find the podcast on social media at About to Review. There are multiple ways to support the show. You can go to abouttoreview.threadless.com, get a t-shirt, click on the support tab on the website. Uh, and yeah, just any Twitter reactions, any Instagram stuff. I love talking to people. Uh, you can reach the show directly at abouttoreview at gmail.com. If you have a favorite heist movie, hit me up and, and let me know what that is. So for this episode, the good, bad, and ugly heist movies, I have been joined by uh, that guy named what? <laughs> AKA Jet. <laughs> and I have been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.